We're back from our summer holidays. Have you been on summer holiday? Feels like it. Hmm. You've been on paternity leave. Yeah. So, it has been six weeks since we actually last recorded, and I've forgotten how everything works. I couldn't remember how to set up the microphone, didn't know where the pop filters were. What's happened in the last six weeks? I have had a baby. Well, technically your wife has had a baby. I normally add the disclaimer, and the, the last two times I've not added the disclaimer, people pick me up on it. <laughs> it's too easy, I know. Sorry, I know exactly what you meant. Thanks. You have a daughter. Yeah. Called Abigail. Yeah. Named after John Marston's wife. <laughs> Don't say that. Coincidentally, only named the same as. Subconsciously, I was primed for that name. That's it. That's what's happened to me in the last six weeks. Bit of downtime to catch up on things. I finished Majora's Mask. Oh, you finished Majora's Mask? Did you get all the masks? 13. So you didn't finish Majora's <laughs> Sorry. I finished Breath of the Wild. Oh, you finished Breath of the Wild? Yes. I feel there's stuff left to do. I- I've still got loads of stuff left to do in Breath of the Wild, but I just haven't been playing it. I can't be asked though. You can't be asked. 110 hours. I can't be asked. 110 hours? Is that all? I played 110 hours of PUBG since we last spoke. I, I should say 110 additional hours of PUBG since we last spoke. I've played like 230 hours now. Are you getting better? I'm not sure. <laughs> I still occasionally shoot like a potato. Is there collateral damage? It's been a while since I accidentally shot one of my teammates. Are you a capable driver? I am a capable driver. I would say I think I'm probably the best driver, even though I don't often drive. But <laughs> That's not quite right, is it? I'm the best, but you should drive. I don't particularly want to drive. So other people want to drive, but then they drive and then they just roll the car over or more impressively, somehow manage to beach the boat. There's actually a video of me totally losing it at someone with the boat. I was like, watch out for that rock. Watch out for that rock. Oh my, you are never driving. Please, next time, do not drive. I'm going to drive. But then I just let them drive again. (laughs) I'll put it in another clip video. Is there a clip available of it? Oh, yeah. You made a clip video of my first 100 hours of PUBG. Yes. Because it's not obvious that you made the clip video and not me. So it almost looks like I'm just like this insane narcissistic person who just like puts together videos of their PUBG moments. <laughs> That's what other people do. That's what you- <laughs> all YouTubers do this. I-, I guess so. But yeah, it is just a collection of random things clipped out of my PUBG stream. But there is a story, there's a narrative. There's a narrative of slowly improving, plus boat strats, which are the best strats. I am regularly playing with a set of people, we refer to ourselves as the B team, because of the triumvirate of boat strats, bush strats, and cross bow strats, which are the best strats. Um, one last thing. iPhone X. Oh, iPhone X! Are you excited? 10, sorry, iPhone 10. Oh, you're right, you're supposed to say iPhone 10. Are you excited? Sometimes. Sometimes. Please sum up the iPhone 10 in one word. Face. <laughs> excellent, excellent summary. So what do you think? What do I think? Yeah. I think it's stupid. I think it's a stupid waste of money. No, I should... No, I should, I should stick to my guns. It's a stupid waste of money. <laughs> Apple just loves taking away the things I like. First, they took away the headphone jack. Then they took away the home button with the touch ID. They've added wireless charging. 
You'll like that, maybe? Because it's so hard to plug in a wire. I think there was speculation they were going to take away the lightning port, too. And put in a... Well, it just will be wireless. Could work. That's what you'll do next, right? You'll just have a Bluetooth headphones. Uh, you can't use Bluetooth headphones on a plane, though. I guess you don't listen to your phone very much on a plane. You do, I do. Yeah, I do too, that's the thing. <laughs> I was just trying to be charitable. You can't use Bluetooth on a plane. You can't, it's a transmitting device. You might interfere with the navigation systems, or actually it's all bullshit, but, you know, it's not certified, so you're not allowed to. They Will they know? Yeah, they'll know, because you'll have headphones in that have no wires attached, and they'll be like, or you could uh, just <laughs> put a fake wire on, just tie some string on, they'll never know the difference. Yes. Okay, more, more importantly, are you going to get one? No. Oh, certain. No. <laughs> I, I might I might be weak and change my mind, but it's like a thousand pounds. Yes. It's like a thousand pounds. And I'm really torn because I didn't buy a 6S or a 7. So I'm now several phones behind. Not that you need to buy a phone every year or anything, but I would quite like a new phone because my phone is starting to get a little bit wonky. I don't know what to get, because none of the phones actually have what I want. What's wrong with the Samsung? They've also got their fingerprint sensor in a really stupid place. It's not that stupid. It's really stupid. Unless you have, like, gigantic claw hands, your fingers aren't going to be long enough to reach the fingerprint sensor. And it's not even in the middle. You've got to kind of put it off to the right randomly. Oh, that's And smudge it over the camera. Because the Samsung fingerprint sensor is not on the button. It's, like, on the back. Yeah. Be centred on the back. No, it's not centred. It's off to the right. Why don't they create hardware for like that works for both hands? Why do they have to have stuff that's... I know. That's what I'm saying. I thought, oh, maybe I can get a Google Pixel 2. They've taken away the headphone jack. So I don't know. I might get a Note 8. But you see, it's kind of dumb, because if I was going to get a Note 8 with an unusable fingerprint sensor, I may as well get the iPhone X. At least the Note 8 has a headphone jack. You could get an iPhone 8. I could get... It's got no headphone jack! But it's the fingerprint sensor that's winding you up right now. Yeah, but the the headphone jack was winding me up before. You could just go Bluetooth. Yeah. And when you get on plane, you, you have the adapter. I'm sorry, but you have the adapter. Taking a step back, I guess. I could just not get a new phone. I'm just going to continue holding out until they make a phone that I like. And like in 30 years' time, they're going to be like, why don't you have an implant? It's like, there's no headphone jack on this implant. I'm just thinking what Apple are going to take away next. The screen, you just hold it to your face and feel good about yourself. It will have like ennui unlock. Instead of looking at your face, you just pick up the phone and it just senses your level of malaise with the universe. And if it's appropriate, it will unlock for you. Everyone has their own. <laughs> and then one day, you know, if your life circumstances change, you become too happy, then your phone just won't unlock. But it's fine, because you can use the passcode. You could use the passcode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just use the passcode. What is this? The 90s? So you've left yourself open to options. Yeah, I'll see how I feel about it. I'll try one in the shop. I mean, the thing is, let's be honest, you won't be able to buy one for like a month anyway. It's going to be scalper central. I thought you say your impulse control is... At its lowest, anyway. <laughs> that, that too, that too. You, you can just tell that the next episode is going to be, so I bought an iPhone 8, and then the episode after is going to be, so I threw away that piece of trash iPhone 8, and I bought an iPhone 10. From a scalper. <laughs> From a scalper. How much did it cost? Oh, only like £2,000. What are you going to do? I want to get a 10. Really? Yeah. I just read an article about how important Face ID is, and how it's better than using 
Touch ID, because someone's going to just move my thumb while I'm sleeping over my Touch ID sensor. Whereas they'd have to hold your eyes open to use it while you're asleep. Yeah. I think we were both talking about, you know, customs taking your phone and using your face to unlock it. And they're saying, it's fine because it only locks on when your eyes are open. You're like, la la la, you can't see me. <laughs> you cover your face and you cover your eyes. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me Sir Michael. Hello. And myself. Father Ting. In both, no, in both, can I say in both? <laughs> in both you, so you did get ordained <laughs> as a priest over the internet. Probably that should be my homework. <laughs> Today we are a book club of games. Hooray. Part two of Sleeping Dogs. So where do we pick up the story? The last section ended with us wrecking Dog Eye's drug operation. And this section starts with us having to explain ourselves to the chairman, Uncle Poe. And lots more very exciting stuff happens. It's a much more punchy and action-filled section of the game. I think it ends very appropriately as an arc, since... The game began with us being inducted into the triad by Jackie, and Jackie wants to be a gangster. Not inducted by Jackie. Well, not inducted by... Well, he vouches for us. Mm. He introduces us to the gang. And this section we're playing ends with Jackie having second thoughts after his induction, and then being arrested. So it's kind of closed the book on Jackie. Well, I assume it's closed the book. You never know, but I'm pretty sure that's the end. We won't be seeing him again. No, we probably will. maybe we'll see him again. Who knows? Grew up with him. We must see him again. In old prosperity. That was the housing state. Anyway, how do you want to do this? Are we just going to talk about the missions and what we thought? Yeah, we then... can go through them in order, shouldn't we? Yeah. So what do you have to say about Uncle Poe? He's an old man. He's an old man. He's the chairman of the triad. He seems very unassuming. He actually does seem like a kind of doddery old uncle. Maybe dodgery is the wrong word. He seems like a reasonably pleasant old man who occasionally says slightly sinister things. But he seems quite astute, so if you cross him... You're going to be dead. There will be consequences. consequences. Yeah, like being shot in the head. Doesn't seem that clueless. No, no, he doesn't seem clueless at all. You go to a very nice building in Central, like a gigantic steel and glass glittering skyscraper, it looks like, from the outside. But inside? But inside, it's like kind of... What, a 70s or 80s style Hong Kong apartment? Yeah, and you have to actively reverse design your fl- that flat to be like that. Because I'm sure the initial sort of interior design would have been much more modern. It's going to have been some <laughs> minimalist, all white walls and angular open plan. Yeah, and they've had to sort of pull it back. <laughs> pull it back. To the 70s. Yeah, real wood floors and, well, it's quite classy, I guess. But everything's beige. Everything's beige. <laughs> I just imagine, like, floral armchairs. In fact, is he sitting in a floral armchair? I'm not even sure. But you and Winston are summoned, and then Winston has to explain himself. And then you get told, as a reward for your suggestion to not kill the chemist and give a bigger cut to Uncle Poe from the drugs operation, your reward is that you get to work with Roland, who's like a debt collector, and get a cut of that. 
So, out you go. Meet up with Roland. Do a mission for him. What do you have to do? You've got to meet this woman who's got significant gambling debts, don't you? You just have to take the car off her? Is that the plan, the intention? Oh no, you have to action hijack her car and then get her to pay back her debts, but she's got no money. And she's like, sorry, sorry. It's like, stop saying I'm sorry. Just give me the money. She's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, oh. But then she eventually tells you, take the car. It's got drugs in the back. I'm sorry. And she just jumps out of the car. Anyway, my reference to Roland will become important later. The actual Roland mission itself is, well, it's quite funny, but it's kind of dumb as well. Anything more to say about Uncle Poe? Not really. I did mention something about having to go to bed explicitly to experience my PTSD. Oh yeah, you do have to go to bed, don't you? There's no flashback though, is there? There's nothing visual, it's just like lots of sound, right? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I completely forgot that this happened until I saw it in the notes. And then I was like, oh yeah, you're right. It told me to go to bed. But nothing's happened up to now. What do you mean nothing's happened? Like nothing should be weighing on his conscience. Well, if you had paid more attention to the plot, I think it's not what he's done in Hong Kong so much as what he did in San Francisco. Which again, we can get to later. Okay. All right. So now you get sent by Winston to sort out his wedding. Or to help with the wedding planning. Yes. So you get to meet his fiancée, Peggy. Yeah. And she just sends you on a bunch of errands, like bring her to the dress fitting, get the cake. Well, steal the cake. Did you pick up on that? (laughs) Only right now. Peggy's like, oh yeah, he's got me the most perfect cake. I've got to pick it up from this bakery. And then... You get a text going, oh, it's going to the wrong address. You've got to get the cake. And you finally action hijack the van with the cake in. And then was like, this is my cake. This is for my wedding. And you're like, oh, it's Peggy's now. And you just push her out of the van. So you totally steal a cake. And then you steal a rare flower from a bunch of monks. Yeah, that's all sorts of bad karma there. Well, <laughs> again, we can talk about that in a bit. Not now? We should give some context, at least. We should give some context. Well... The things I picked up most about for this mission was actually the dialogue with Peggy. So my two things that I wrote down in the notes were... <laughs> actually, I very, I very cryptically just wrote down dating a whitey, question mark. And I was like, what on earth did I write down? I actually had to go and revise this from... Uh, I had to go back and look at the game again. So, you know, there's a conversation between you and Peggy about coming back from America and Wei's mum not being happy with his choice of girlfriends you know because she says oh you know it's hard for the mother and and he says yeah well you know I had a thing for blondes and my mum was like maybe a Chinese American girl but a whitey I thought it was pretty funny does anyone actually say the word whitey I've never heard maybe it's an American thing maybe they just translated it from Cantonese and that's the best they could do I don't know man I don't know anyway and the other bit was just totally foreshadowing since Peggy's like oh I want a black orchid and the florist is saying you can't have a black orchid they're so rare the chairman offered a hundred million dollars for one he couldn't get one and so she says oh I know the monks have one go and steal it from the temple 
And she says, I must have a black orchid. A couple that has a black orchid at their wedding will stay together for the rest of their lives. And I was like, foreshadowing, you're totally going to die at your wedding with Winston. Totally, totally, totally. You don't, you disagree with me though, right? Yeah. That's coincidence. You, right? you, no one's, no one's going to be looking back at game narratives like this and say, Oh, they foreshadowed this event. I, I, I disagree with you because I'm looking at the game narrative. I'm totally going. That's coincidence. Or, you know, they've done it by accident. They have not done it by accident. You even said when you look back at English literature, there's a lot of the analysis is by pure chance. But retconned in, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly think they did this on purpose. I honestly think they did this on purpose. We should find out the writer for the game. We should find out the writer for the game and write to them. Maybe we should. Okay. Like, okay. Let's, let's bet on it. Okay. No, let's no. make this interesting. No, because he's going to say what you said. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I'm saying let's make this interesting. I bet you. Okay. Fine. Fine. We don't have to put money on it, but I, I'm going to stick to my guns and say this was deliberate foreshadowing. Okay. I will try and contact this guy. And find out. Or girl. Whoever. I'll contact them. And then you break into the monastery, temple, whatever, change into a monk outfit, beat up a load of monks. Well, actually, no. Fast talk your way past a bunch of monks. That was trash, actually. The monk's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, where is here? We are all one with the universe. He's like, oh, yes, brother. Please go and steal this flower. And then you have to beat them up. That leads us on to the wedding. Quite an explosive mission, but the only thing we have to say is a white tux. Ugh. Did, did you think this too? Or is it just me? I've seen enough weddings like this. Or enough, you know, I've seen enough wedding fashion to, <laughs> to not apply I, comment. I actually do think this is a classic Hong Kong thing. People in Hong Kong do wear crazy stuff to weddings. It's their moment. Because I think Weddings in the UK, they're usually quite understated. It's usually like, you know, a dark suit for the groom and then a white wedding dress for the bride. But in Hong Kong, people wear crazy stuff. Like, well, actually, that's another thing, I suppose, that you do see a lot of couples having their wedding photos just taken around Hong Kong. Because in Hong Kong, it's traditional to take the wedding photos before the wedding and then show the photos at the wedding. But... You get people wearing crazy dresses and crazy suits. So you'll see like the bride and groom and the groom will be wearing some like iridescent purple suit. It's like they're shooting a music video and they're part of a boy band. Okay, so I guess a white tux is relatively restrained. And then... Oh, I just hope, I just hope you'll be wearing that at yours. <laughs> what a purple iridescent. Even a white tux would make me smile. Don't hold your breath. And then the wedding itself, from a storyline perspective, well, the foreshadowing is paid off, and a bunch of people show up and just kill all the guests. So Winston is killed, Peggy is killed, Uncle Poe is gravely injured. But because of your intervention? Survives. Yes. So you have to bust in there, kill all of these hitmen, and get Uncle Poe to the hospital. You like having this massive girl? No, this is my uncle. You need to take care of him. I'm going to hold you personally responsible. I feel like the wedding was like a real turning point in the story because the game up to this point has been relatively small scale. I mean that in the sense that you've been like a low level foot soldier. You've been, you know, shaking down reg packets out of stall holders. You've been punching some people. 
the biggest mission up to now has been payback where you you know went in guns blazing into this warehouse but from here on in the game is totally action flick turn up to 11 yeah because there's a power vacuum now above you so everything is is moving it's way more exciting from here on in Given what's happened to Winston, the mission next up is Mrs. Chu's revenge. Mrs. Chu being Winston's mother. Yeah. A stereotypical... What is she? How would you describe her? She's like crude restaurant owner, salt of the earth, fishwife. Yes, that's the word. She's the sort of person I can imagine shouting, Yamagato! Waving a meat cleaver around. If she creates a fuss, you'll give away the seat, whatever, you know. Your position in the queue. She wants you to find whoever organised the hit on the wedding. And you then call Ricky. Who the hell is Ricky? To give you the number for Johnny Ratface. Who the hell is Johnny Ratface? Because he'll know, somehow. I don't know if I was just not paying enough attention, but I had no idea who any of these people were. And then we get a new mini game, so you've got to triangulate the source of the phone call. It's actually pretty cool. Even before then, you have to find it on the on the city map, and you've got to use the cell phone towers to figure out where they are. And you've got to like drive to the center of the thing before you can do that. I don't know. I thought it was quite cool. I mean, I'm sure it's not how triangulation works, but you know, it's a game. It's fun. I do not remember what actually happens when you find Johnny Ratface, though. I think it's just a very generic beat up a bunch of people and shove them in the trunk. I think so. I'm not sure either. The interesting thing is when you bring him to Mrs. Chu. I mean, that's some serious like horror movie stuff going on there. She's, she's got this... She's got such a good Cantonese like voice. It just sounds so... Sounds so vicious. She's like walking slowly towards him with the meat cleaver and he's like oh get this crazy woman away from me and you just see her bring the meat cleaver down and then like cuts black i think we said stereotypical at some point when we described her character but that's that's not stereotypical right that's not stereotypical (laughs) what does your mother not do this no stereotypical of like a you know a hong kong cinema rather than stereotypical of a typical cantonese mother does your mum do this? Does your mum talk like this? No, I can only <laughs> wish. So the next mission, meet the new boss. I only remember the second half of this mission. To car chase? Yes. Okay, I remember the first part of this mission. Oh, so good. I will tell you all about it. So the power vacuum, Winston's dead. Winston's dead, boo-hoo. And you have effectively taken control of his gang. Or at least everyone looks to you, seeing as you're a leader, whereas the others are all kind of just sheeple. And into what was Winston's office at the club walks Ponytail. What do you have to say about Ponytail, Ting? What? Was this name lost in translation or something? You, I think you're overthinking this. It offends me. Okay, from where I'm standing, he's called Ponytail because he's got a ponytail. I don't think there's any deeper meaning than that. He's got a ponytail, man. But, but okay, so why do we call Ratface Ratface? 
Because he's got a face like a rat. Weren't you paying attention? I don't know about that. And you're saying you, you know a ponytail. I know a ponytail. Okay. There's like, there's totally a guy at the office who's got a ponytail. And I actually don't know what his real name is. And neither do a whole bunch of other people. But we all just refer to him as ponytail. It's like, oh yeah, did you see ponytail the other day? And I wonder whether the nicknaming Chinese is also ponytail. Whatever those words are, I don't know. I thought you could speak Cantonese too. I don't, I don't use ponytail. <laughs> you don't use ponytail. What would you refer to a pony's tail as? No, no, no comment. You just don't see any horses in, in Hong Kong. And I want to know if you know a rat face. Do I know, do I know a rat face in real life? No, sorry. <laughs> so you're going to just throw that one, one right back at me. <laughs> it's like, you. well, I know you, obviously. No, you're Father Ting. I think that's an excellent nickname. Ponytail brings you the generous offer of giving all your money to Big Smile Lee. And you tell him right where he can stick it. And then ensues a big-ass shootout and car chase. And I don't know if you noticed, but you start out with Winston's gold pistol. Yes. That thing is very badass. I was wearing still the suit from the wedding, covered in blood. So I was wearing this, like, white suit, covered in blood, holding this solid gold pistol. I was just, like, popping a cap in their ass, whatever the phrase is. <laughs> the most inappropriate way of saying it. Pretty cool though. It's like a desert eagle or something, isn't it? It sounds yeah. really meaty when you fire it. Yeah, you've got to clear out the club and then you've got to chase down Ponytail and they send loads of people after you too. I mean, it is like carnage. Like, this is like total action flick ludicrousness. I don't know about you, but to begin with, I was trying to shoot the guys in the cars and then I accidentally clipped a car tire from my bullets. And it says, like, tire shot plus 20 points. And the car goes flipping into the air in slow motion. And all the people go flying outside it. And it, you know, lands on its roof and then blows up really theatrically. And then I was realizing, you know, as you sweep your gun across the enemy vehicles, it goes, it goes like slow motion. And you're going, and like individual bullets are coming out and then like popping tires. How many cars did you flip? I must have flipped over like a dozen cars this way. So satisfying. It is so satisfying. I mean... The game from this point just becomes really fun. It's just like one long sequence of explosions with gangster chat in between. Yeah, rarely are on-rails parts of games so fun. I don't know if they intentionally made it easy or whether they you feel overpowered. I totally felt overpowered. It was ridiculous. It was actually totally ridiculous. I mean, I think we did previously mention that the game is quite gamey, even compared to gta certainly more so than red dead and and like another observation although there's an ammo counter you don't really have any limits to your ammo you might be carrying an assault rifle or something and it says 40 rounds in the clip and 80 rounds in reserve but once you've exhausted those 80 rounds it just gives you another 80 rounds it just just keeps giving you more ammo you don't have to have any restraint that's how it should be how it should be well that's what made it so fun because to begin with, I was like going, oh no, I've only got like five more bullets left. And it's like, whatever, I'm just going to use them. And it's like, oh wait, I've got more bullets. It's car season. And after that, is it the first time you come across Broken Nose, Jang? Yeah, I definitely did not notice her before. They introduced a lot of characters just cold open, really. It makes sense because this is would be the first time you'd come across her because now Winston's out of the picture. She needs to engage with you yeah you're 
you're kind of rude to her at first. You're like, who the hell are you? And then she talks and you're like, oh, sorry, Miss Jang. Or Madam Jang, I think you call her. You suddenly put on your deferential and respectful voice, which just sounds really out of place. Her nose doesn't seem very broken. No, she doesn't look like a broken nose at all. It's kind of funny because, I mean, later on, we're going to see the other red poles. And they really are like big smile Lee's got, you know, total like massive like Joker style scars from having his mouth ripped open. And two chin Sal definitely has two chins. Maybe they should have called him like five chin Sal. So but- rude. You are so rude. <laughs> what? Really? That's Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Broken Nose Jang, yeah, her nose does not look terribly broken. The thing I most noticed about her is that she says goodnight in Cantonese, which is, I'm going to ask you to say it because my accent's terrible, or my tones are terrible, and I'm probably going to say something completely different. What's goodnight in Cantonese, Ting? Zhou Tao. I was told in my Cantonese lessons, you do not use goodnight like this in Cantonese. How does she use good night? Good. We will talk soon. You know, you can say good morning to someone in Cantonese when you when you see them in the morning. You'd be like, oh, Jolsan. Is that right? Yes. All right. So, you, you know, you might be like walking out your building and the door people are like, oh, Jolsan. Like, you know, good morning. Or you might be like hiking and you meet some other people on the trail in the morning. They'll be like, oh, Jolsan, Jolsan, whatever. But... In my Cantonese lessons, they explicitly said to me, like, don't say goodnight to someone when you're saying bye to them at night, because that would be weird. Good night in Cantonese, you would say to someone, you know, like when you're lying down to sleep and you're, you're putting your head on the pillow and you'd say to your wife or something, oh, good night. So I was like, huh? Isn't this wrong? I was taught that you can't use good night like this in Cantonese. There are exceptions, I'm sure. I'm sure there are exceptions. Maybe when you're a mobster or a gang boss... You're allowed to use it. Try it in the office and see what you get back. <laughs> Try it in the office when I get back. I'll do more Cantonese lessons and I'll be like, oh, there is one important exception. If you're in a triad, you're allowed to say goodnight whenever you feel like it. We don't need to talk about Naz and loose ends. Okay, then. Nothing interesting happens. Nothing interesting happens? Naz as a character is a bit of an interesting character. <laughs> I'm looking at you. <laughs> you think not. Wait, what, what? I do want to say one thing about Naz. Actually, I want to say, what's the deal with Naz? I don't understand the deal with Naz, because he's an informant, right? Okay, think back to the very start of the game. The very start of the game has you and Naz doing a drug deal. What is the deal with that? Actually, as I'm saying this, I just realised what the deal of that is. And it all comes back to the Intel reports on your phone. Did you read the Intel reports on your phone? No. No. <laughs> Because, and I think this explains the PTSD you have as well. So, the Intel reports on your phone are actually quite hard to piece together. Since, after some missions, it will just say, oh, you've got a new, you know, piece of Intel. And on your phone, it will show a little exclamation mark to show that, you know, there's a new report in there. But when you actually go into that folder on your phone, it doesn't tell you which one is the new report. So I think I missed a whole bunch of these, or I I didn't miss them, but I just didn't read them because I didn't realise which ones are the new ones and which ones are the old ones. And I, at some point, went and just read all of them again. And it actually does explain quite a lot of the plot and the backstory. So they do specifically mention that 
you were in the SFPD, San Francisco Police Department, when you were in the US. Uh, you were also an undercover cop there, infiltrating gangs there. And they also have a section about Naz as an informant and how he's trying to play both sides and how they can just threaten him with jail time every time they need more from him. But he, you know, consistently underreports what he's doing or he's still running drugs and stuff. So there is a report in there where Naz actually says that, you know, you're a low level gangster. You're not going to be worth anything. They may as well burn you up in a like a fake drug sting. So that must be what's happening at the very beginning of the game. But there's also more, interestingly, a whole load of backstory about your sister and your sister becoming addicted to drugs and then having to become a prostitute to pay for her drug addiction. That's not clear. In yeah, the yeah. Scenes. I know. So, because, well, you know, dog eyes and whatever is always like trash talking your sister, but it's kind of true. I mean, she was a prostitute. And then, yeah, she dies of a heroin overdose, I think. And there's an entry in there about how her dealer is found tortured and drowned in the San Francisco harbour. And it is believed that you, while undercover, just killed him. But they didn't pin it on you. But they weren't sure. Maybe that's the cause of all the PTSD, seeing as you murdered a guy in cold blood. Well, for revenge, hmm. Anyway, that's all I have to say about Naz. And all the intel reports. This leads us on to final kill. It's not really the final kill. I guess it's the closing of the arc with Winston. Again, Mrs. Chu tells you that she has extracted some information. She knows that it was Dog Eyes that organised the hit on the wedding. And she wants you to bring Dog Eyes to her. And she's very wistful. She's like, oh, Sammy, which is Dog Eyes' real name. I remember him. He used to be, you know, in this kitchen. I used to feed him. And now he's gone and done this. Bring him to me. You've got to go to his hideout, which is on a pier. You can't drive up to it. You've got to, like, walk down this little trail. I thought it was just going to be a fight in, like, the the pier building at the end. A kung fu fight. But, no, you have a boat chase. I didn't even know there were boats in this game. I need to discover boats in this third as well. So you've got an exciting boat chase. I say exciting. Well, it's kind of exciting. You actually have to like jump with a boat. You're like going over ramps. Pretty ridiculous. And then you end up in kind of like a fish processing factory and just have a succession of fights in rooms that are fenced off, which is on the one hand, really unimaginative game design, but I actually still enjoyed it surprisingly. Yes, it does that very well. Environmental attacks are where it's at. It was really vicious. Because I think there might have been some ambiguity with some of the early environmental attacks about how lethal they are until at least you start shoving people's heads in furnaces. But these look really lethal as well. Like you pick guys up and there's just like a pallet of swordfish heads just pointing straight up. I mean, I know Hong Kong has laxer health and safety laws than, say, the EU, but... I don't think it's good practice to have swordfish heads where the sword is sticking straight up. 
On the other hand, it is very convenient when you want to throw a gangster onto them and impale them. And there's also just giant hooks hanging from the ceiling, and you can just sort of like hoist people on the hooks and go, and like stick it straight through their chest. I mean, that's unnecessary. That's unnecessary, man. Have some respect. At least throw them into the tank full of electric eels. And then that's it, really. You capture Dog Eyes, you bring him back to Mrs. Chu. Actually, there's quite a funny scene. It starts out, he's like, oh, Sammy, good to see you. Have some noodles. He's like, oh, it's fine, Mrs. Chu. I already ate. <laughs> he's like, that wasn't an offer. I'm telling you, have some noodles. Your friend had them too. Well, your friend's in them. And then she's just feeding him bits of Johnny Ratface and then torturing him to death. It's vicious, actually. I mean, that's some... I'm trying to think of an appropriate film reference. I think I haven't seen enough films. Can you think of an appropriate reference? No. No? <laughs> some Saw shit, I thought. Some Saw shit. Yeah, I haven't seen Saw. I haven't seen Saw either. <laughs> Can't watch Saw. Can't watch Saw. I've just seen TV shows parody Saw, and that's enough. If you have a problem with me, then let's sort it out ourselves, okay? We don't need to bring her into this. Sorry. It's nothing personal. Just business. Oh, oh God! I'm oh, sorry, please! Stop! Stop! Okay, so that arc is closed. And so we continue with... Initiation. So you are going to become a red pole. You are taking Winston's place and are rising higher in the sun on ye. Does Jackie join you? No, Jackie's just there. So they inform you that for your initiation into the sun on ye, you have to kill a guy. So there is a dealer who was formerly sun on ye, who was kicked out for dealing to school children. And has now joined the 18K, who are like the naughty gang, you know, like the Son of Year, honourable, the eight, those 18K chumps dealing to children. So you've got to kill him. And the guy says to you, if there are any other members who have not been initiated, bring them along too. So basically, Jackie's not a full member of Son of Year, and Jackie's got to kill someone. So you bring him along. You call up Jackie with the good news. Hey, Jackie, you're going to be a member of the gang. And he's like, oh, yes, amazing. Don't worry. Your time will come too. He's like, no, 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 I'm going to be a red pole. You know, like, my time's already come. Anyway, you meet him at the massage parlor. This is my favorite bit. This is like the most incongruous bit in the whole game so far. Jackie's like, oh, let's celebrate. I'll get you a massage before we go. So he pays for a massage for you. And then the game actually pops up a special prompt that says, if you don't want the massage, just walk out. And I was thinking, why would you not want the massage? Since for gameplay reasons, purely, the massage is beneficial. It gives you a buff that increases the rate at which your face meter builds up, which gives you health regen and makes the enemies like cower from you and stuff. So from a gameplay standpoint, there is no reason not to get the massage. But the game explicitly gives the option and says, if you don't want the massage, walk out. Is that for ethical reasons? It has to be. It has to be. In case you don't want the massage, which may or may not have a happy ending and be slightly dubious. So I, I didn't take the massage. I didn't get anything for it. Yeah, so there's no benefit to not having the massage. 
<laughs> yeah, I just thought I just thought it was so funny that the game explicitly gives his option to not have the massage because it's just like we're on a mission to kill someone here. We're on a mission to do murder, but you know, for ethical reasons, I'm not going to have this massage. And I was just thinking, is this like a really American thing? How like violence is okay, but sex is wrong? Could be a Chinese thing. Could be a Chinese thing too. That is probably true, actually. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, whether or not you've had the massage, you track down this dude you beat him up he pulls a gun on you and then jackie shoots him in the head and jackie's hands are trembling he's just like oh my god i can't believe i did that and then we continue with the initiation post your deeds yeah so you have a bit of a chat with jackie and he's going oh you know my hands are shaking like don't worry it'll pass and you go to be initiated into the sun on ye and there's a big speech about who would who who, who would be saying this who, who's running the initiation it's kind of like uncle poe's advisor i'm not sure what his formal position in the sun on ye is but he's like a senior guy who advises uncle poe okay oh he's called something pockmark two or something I guess he's got a pockmarked face. They're very literal about the, you know, he's like, what would your gangster name be doing? <laughs> yeah, this is going to be funny. What would your gangster name Small be? Eyes. Small eyes. <laughs> okay, I think we should, we should move on before this gets. I think that's okay. You've got ponytail and rat face. Small eyes is at the right level of, yeah, it's pitched at the right level. Yeah, I don't think he got especially small eyes, but <laughs> like playground, playground insult names. That's what we're pitching at. That's what we're pitching at. Yeah. Do you want to have a cut yours? Mm, well, if it's playground, I'd be like flat nose, <laughs> flat nose Mike. <laughs> That's that really is a, a playground insult. So there's one line that um, Uncle Poe's advisor. I mean, it's a, it's quite a a long speech it's a long speech there's one line that stood out was that traitors will die a thousand deaths slowly in the dark and you could not see way's reaction to this because you had dressed him up in comedically large sunglasses yeah but did you i can't tell if i was just you know imagining it but i think he does look very slightly uncomfortable and looks very slightly to the side but i might have been imagining it since you know, it's not like they've got super high-res textures and facial animation. And then, as the cutscene ends, like, right, now you will take the 32 oaths to join the triad. And it's like, 32 oaths? That's a lot of oaths. I think I was joking, it's like, I thought there'd just be one oath. Don't be a dick. 32. I'm glad they faded out. I wonder if that's based on truth. Maybe I should look it up. Maybe <laughs> I should look it up. Quite quickly. How many oaths to join the triad? It seems that the 32 oaths has some basis in fact, since real world triads have, what, 36 oaths? Don't joke, don't miss. Well, I mean, it just goes to show I'm not an expert on triad law. And then finally. So the final mission for the segment, Dockyard Heist. Jackie is still kind of subdued after his experience of killing a man. What are you trying to heist? <laughs> when did you play this? You played this a long time ago, right? Yeah. Your memory's a little hazy. 
I played this last night. That's, that's how late I managed to finish this segment. You are trying to heist a bunch of jewels that the 18K have shipped over. And that's why they're in the dockyard. So they have stolen them from somewhere in the US. And they think they'll be easy to fence them in Hong Kong. So that's why they brought them over. It's kind of like when you boosted that box of fake watches last time from Dog Eyes Gang. So you're going to do the same thing. You're going to bust in, take the jewels off the 18K and then sell them yourselves. And Jackie's like, yeah, you know, I just want a quiet job. You know, I'm still a little bit shaken up by last time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you, you know, he's kind of having second thoughts about the life of a gangster. Though now he's taken the oaths just in time to be arrested since that's what happens to him. So you need to basically break into a van at the docks and get the jewels. And like many things in this game, that involves you dressing up in a uniform and fast talking slash pressing the Y button or triangle button, I guess, for you to talk your way past, you know, various different people's did you did you actually have to fast talk your way through anyone, or did you just walk past them? Like, did you just give them a wide berth? No, I fast talked past one or two, but they didn't give me any comedy lines like you. The first one, you know, I had was quite boring. It was like, "Oh, I'm 18k, get out of my way." And he's like, "Oh yeah, sorry, man." And then the next time, a guy comes up and says, "Hey, who are you?" And you're like, "Shut up, man! We're trying to break into this warehouse." And you're like, "What?" He's like, "This isn't fast talking. This is just..." saying I'm breaking into a warehouse but then you do follow up with he's like if you're not quiet I'm gonna have to fucking slit your throat and then he's like oh sorry man you won't hear from me again I don't think it's called fast talking to say hey what are you doing I'm trying to break into this warehouse do you mind and then after that it's kind of a standard mission you get some sort of power tool to break into the vans and you just have to beat up a load of people with that and then bust into the vans take the jewels drive them to the fence to sell them but then actually what happens is Jackie gets busted and it was all a setup by Pendrew sad times poor Jackie he's outlived his usefulness as your handler tells you and that's where I left it I, did you play any more after this well actually you probably have right a little bit more yeah okay I didn't I have not played any story missions after this I did do some side stuff. We can talk about that now. So alongside the favours, there are also drug busts. And you did your first one in this section, is that right? I think I might have done some of these by accident. I think they're kind of just like world events or something, aren't they? You've got to beat up some thugs. You've got to plant a bug or like hack into security cameras. And then you've got to go home and identify the drug dealer. And the police come and pick him up. Yeah. And I think they all seem to follow this general pattern. Unfortunately, yes. So it's really just a matter of how hard it is to beat up the guys around the security camera. Europe. We both discovered a neat trick where we could just go in and just run them all over. I died a lot during these drug busts. Yeah, it's also similar for me. My My one death has been... I saw the drug bust. Actually, I didn't even see it deliberately i was just driving past and it said oh you've driven into the area for you know the whatever drug bust beat up the gang members and i was like oh okay so i got out of my car 
And then another random AI car just happened to be driving past and just drove into me and took off nearly all my health. And I was like, what the hell? And then as I stood up, one of the gang members just punched me in the head and I died. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> like, this is not fair. I'm like, I'm so triggered, man. How many times are you triggered a day? How many times am I triggered a day? Uh, once. I'm not triggered very often. Good. Anyway, I then went back and I was just like, to complete that game. And I just ran over all the gangsters with my car. It does seem to be the most efficient way to do it. Have you come across any drug busts that are water access? Air quotes. No, I did not realise there were any. Though you're saying they're hellaciously broken? Let's see if you experience one first. I don't want to ruin it. And complain together. Okay, fine. So my homework for next time is to do a water-based drug bust. Can I tell you? Can I tell you which one? You can tell me which one. Aberdeen, please. Do the drug bust in Aberdeen on the water. Yeah. Okie doke. Sort of did this backwards. So I mentioned favors when I talked about drug busts, but now I'm going to talk about favors. <laughs> okay. So there's as many favors as there are missions. I think there's slightly more, but one we both did was Pied Piper. Yeah, I think there's Pied Piper 1 and Pied Piper 2. I found this very enjoyable. <laughs> so, the reason it's called Pied Piper is because you have to lead... Well, you're not really leading rats, you're leading cops, which is leading pigs, to a destination. You generally have to lead the police to some criminal activity, to kind of, you know... Someone doesn't like someone, so you're sicking the cops on them. I just love how we're merging and... Because it's not something you plan to do. So originally I planned to run over someone, but then in in the chaos I ran over some cops as well. I found that hilarious. I don't know. I just found it hilarious. I think something we'll mention later is I tried so hard not to break the law. <laughs> and tried to do things properly. And I'll, I'll talk about it at the end because someone else shared the same feeling as me. Yeah, so for these missions you need to get the cops on your tail and then lead the cops somewhere so rather than run someone over i just noticed that there were a bunch of cops with a cop car nearby and i think they must spawn them there deliberately so i just nonchalantly walked up and stole the cop car (laughs) i thought that was a very effective way to get them on my tail but the other funny thing is the guy there says oh this guy's hitting on my girl and normally i just kill him but he's got high level gang connections and when you lead the cops there, you realise it's actually Roland, I think. You're leading them to the place where Uncle Poe sends you. So, did you just double-cross the sun on you? Anyway, I don't know. I don't think there's any game consequences to doing so, and you get the favour bonus for, for doing it, but I thought it was quite funny. The other one I particularly liked is called Turn Losers Into Winners. Well, I say I particularly liked. The other one that I found particularly memorable, because I did, I did loads of these favour missions, but a lot of them were kind of like meh, or like, you know, they, they weren't particularly funny. But this one really stuck in my mind. So it's like the one where you had to commit insurance fraud by dumping the vehicle in the harbour to pay the hospital bills. But this time, this guy tells you, I spent loads of money on these chickens for cockfighting, but... They're all losers. I don't know if they fed them sawdust or something. And I was thinking, geez, man, <laughs> cockfighting? That's not very, you know, animal cruelty. And he says, I need to get the money back somehow. I just want to claim on the insurance. Can you drive my van into the harbour? So you've got one of those open-backed vans filled with chickens for cockfighting that are not good at cockfighting, 
So you can drive the whole van full of chickens into the harbour. I mean, this seems especially cruel and unethical. I still did it. But you're more fussed about the... I was more fussed about the chickens than the insurance fraud. Insurance fraud, insurance fraud. <laughs> it's a faceless corporation. It's a victimless crime, sort of. But those chickens, poor chickens, poor virtual chickens. So one of the cop missions, serial killer. Yeah, I encountered these too, since I think the game must force you to do cop missions in between the gang missions every now and then. But are you forced? Well, maybe, maybe these ones are optional. These are the ones for Tang, isn't it? The the police lady yep. who's in the kind of hidden base in the warehouse. Which you're not too happy with. I don't think it's very well hidden. <laughs> And she's in there in her police uniform. It just doesn't seem very subtle. It seems too suspicious, though, if it's too hidden. If you had some sort of, like, bat cave. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, she wants you to track down a serial killer. But all the victims are triad gangsters, so no one's very interested. And one of the submissions in this chain is to go into the hospital and look at the records of, you know, who's been doing all these kidney transplants. And then your particular favourite moment. There's this really snarky comment, which caught me off guard. Yeah, it caught me off There's occasional moments in this game where it's like, when was this game? 2012? Oh, I've learned not to give years. Okay. Well, anyway, this game's a few years old. And I do feel like the world has changed even since that short time. Like, there are things that it was fine to say then that now you'd say them, you'd be like, that's sexist. That's racist. You can't say that. And I feel like this is one of those moments. So the nurse's challenge... So you, you roll in there with your doctor's uniform. Your fake doctor's uniform. The nurse challenges you, asking, um, what are you doing here? Yeah, so you, you're going into like the back office to just hack their computer. And, yeah, and the nurse is just like, what are you doing here? And then you <laughs> shoot back. I'm a doctor here saving lives. Uh, you can do a better voice than that. Come on. <laughs> Put some acting into it. Didn't you do drama? No. No? Yeah, I didn't do GCSE drama either, but, you know, I did mandatory drama before that. <laughs> mandatory? Mandatory drama. <laughs> what? Is that just, like, your home life? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you had drama lessons at school, right? Oh, like, oh, you're a tree, you're a seed, and you... <laughs> Is that what you mean? Sorry. I thought you were talking about growing up as a child. <laughs> no. Okay, I see where you're coming from now. <laughs> Yeah, not just you. Me too, okay? Anyway, I think you can... Come on, come on. Better voice. So what's going on? I need to, I need my motivation. You need your motivation. You're, you're trying to bluff a nurse. A nurse is challenging you and you need to act like an asshole doctor to try and get them off your back. You don't know how foreign this is to me. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's try this one more time, okay? I'm going to be the nurse and you be the doctor. Yeah, but I can't be rude to you. You can be rude to me. Let's try it, let's try it. What are you doing here? I'm a doctor busy saving lives. What are you doing here except challenging my authority? Ooh, that stings. No, oh, except for challenging doctors. Shit. <laughs> Sorry, my apologies, doctor. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> anyway. This is why programmers shouldn't be voice actors. This is why programmers shouldn't be voice Get actors. Get your voice actors in. Get Sir Michael in. Get Sir Michael in. Are you saying I'm not a programmer? I'm so triggered. <laughs> you know it's true. Oh, dear. That stings. <laughs> that stings. Hashtag snark. Yeah, I, I also found that bit really funny. <laughs> and like, I was like, can you say that? 
<laughs> I think if this game was being made today, you wouldn't say that. Maybe it's still the sort of thing that happens in Hong Kong. I feel like if you were to say that in the US or something, the nurse would shoot right back and be like, GTFO. And then other random conversation snippets that we heard. Did you try going to the cockfighting? There's multiple spots around the city where you can go cockfighting and you can bet on cockfighting. Nope. So I thought I would try it out after doing the losers into winners, dumping the chickens in the harbour. I thought, well, you know what? I want to see what the cockfighting's like. So I drove up to one of the cockfighting spots and there's like a random ambient world conversation where there's like a man and a woman standing outside the cockfighting arena and she's like, why did you take me here? And the guy's like, but you always say you love animals. <laughs> she's like, this is the worst birthday ever. Are cockfights a thing here still? I, again, ever? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, I've never seen a cockfight in Hong Kong. I've never seen a cockfight ever. Yeah. In fact, I've only got the vaguest concept of what's involved in a cockfight. I think they're actually quite vicious. Yeah. But I actually don't know. I'm going to have to check one out in the game. In the game, yeah. You're not going to... And find out... You're going to Google, cockfights in Hong Kong. Oh, there's one in Central. We can go. I can't imagine it being Central, even if there were any. I mean, the cockfight in the game, you get to bet on one of them, and then they just sort of, like, flounce around as 3D models and claw each other. Peck. Peck. There's no pecking. It's all, like, jumping up and taloning each other. I mean, the thing is, although it does sound ridiculous, because, like, it's a chicken. Remember, chickens are descended from raptors. If you imagine, like, a freaking velociraptor with its gigantic claws going for it with its legs, that would be serious business. And I think cockfighting is still kind of like that. It's not cheap either. The minimum bet was $20,000. What? What? Did you win? I did win. Did you engage in any jobs? What jobs are there? No idea. Is this a job? I mean, the only thing you've referenced in this section is about Stealing the Knox trucks. Yeah, did you have to steal any Knox trucks? It is a bit weird how this is introduced. The game just says, oh, you can hijack these Knox trucks and bring them to this place. Did you do it? Yeah, I did five. And what did you get each time you did it? Just money. Yeah, I think that's all there is to it. I think it's literally just hijack the truck and steal the cash. It's endless. Endless. It's just like the random stuff in GTA where, you know, you take an ambulance and you can pick up people in the ambulance or pick up taxi passengers or whatever. I think it's just like that. It's just like a random minigame. There are trucks. You can hijack the trucks. In fact, doesn't this happen in GTA? Isn't exactly this in GTA? You can steal, like, the security vans that are carrying cash. I thought there were, like, X number to do. Oh, okay. So maybe in GTA there is an end game then. I don't think so. I thought it was just a random world event. And they would all be positioned in different areas of the map, taking different routes. Or maybe I've just given too much faith to Rockstar. Anyway, I did five, then gave up. Didn't seem to be going anywhere. And I was right to do that. I did one. And then I was like, well, this is not worth it for $10,000. I mean, that's not even enough to bet on a cockfight. So, some general random observations. I smiled to myself when I saw some meat cleavers. Yeah, that's proper triad stuff. Yeah. Who have you seen using meat cleavers? There's the guy at the very beginning of the game in that first cutscene with Naz, there's Mrs. Chu. I saw it in a drug bust the first time round. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a pretty scary weapon. And you observed some ambulances doing their job, or not? We've both seen 
the ambulance is working with various degrees of efficiency. Because I complained saying that, well, no, I questioned, I said, oh, I wonder if the emergency service react as they do in GTA 5. And they do. They did, to some well, extent. It can, yeah, it can work. Didn't GTA do actually pick up the body and put it in the ambulance and drive off? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I haven't seen them do that. They drove up and they just comment on it's like, oh, another victim, another drive-by, you know, another hit and run. It's like, what's the city coming to? And they just have some, like, ambient chat. And they stand over the body, right? Mm. But I saw a really funny time where, you know, for once, I didn't even run the guy over. Some AI vehicle just totally ran over a guy. And I was like, ooh, it's like, is he dead? And then I turned around my camera and I realized there was an ambulance there. And I was like, oh. It's like GTA. The ambulance is going to go and pick them up. It's all, you know, procedural. But no, the ambulance then just drove over the guy as well. And I think it's because it wasn't one of the procedurally generated ambulances that gets sent to a road accident. It was just an ambulance driving around the city. So it just had the normal hit high and it just ran over the guy too. When you're driving around, have you noticed the, the red markers on the radar? Yeah. Have they impacted your life in any way? No, I just drive past them. Do you stop? Do they shoot at you? I don't know. I was going to ask you. As far as I know, no. Have you taken on, like, the world events, I think they call them? Yeah, these are, like, random favours, right? But they're not favours, they're events. They call them events. Yeah, yeah, okay. So when I say random favours, I mean, they show up with, like, a yellow shield or something, and then you get face experience, like you do for the favours, when you complete them. So there's there's the event where you've got some drunk guy harassing a store owner. And wait, I don't know. What do you mean to do? Just push them out of the way? All you have to do is push the grapple button and then push them out of the circle. And then you can just let them go. So what I have you been doing, Smash them into the wall. You now had the shutter pull down on them. <laughs> um, was... You monster. Way is a monster. That's what I've written here. <laughs> Way <Wei> has issues. <laughs> yeah, I have written down Way has issues. I I found a funny one where... I was driving along and I, then I heard this like, help, help, let me out of here. And there was a car and I just like let this guy out of the boot of the car. And he was like, oh, thanks, man. The 18K put me in there. I think they were going to kill me. And I just got some random face experience for it. And then I heard another one and it was like a car parked under an underpass. Like, oh, it's the same thing again. And I let the guy out of the car and it was a gangster and he just punched me in the face. <laughs> and I had to beat him up. Voice actors and their accents. Oh, this is just a random comment. There's some very good voice acting in this game, but I think there's also some really dubious voice acting. I feel like some of the ambient audio, at least, must be native English speakers just putting on a bad, like, you know, stereotypical Chinese accent. I don't know if I'm being unfair. Maybe they are, like, you know, native Canto speakers too, because there'd be no point getting in, like, (laughs) deliberately bad people. And they definitely did get Canto speakers to record a lot of the lines and the ambient. Maybe, maybe you, if you're a Cantonese speaker and you're trying hard to push on, to, to put on a... Um... Yeah, maybe that's the thing. Maybe th- that's the thing. Maybe they spoke perfect, you know, Canto and perfect English and, you know, the director was like, no, no, no. Sound like you're speaking really bad English. Try and sound like a comical pastiche of a Chinese person trying to talk English. Okay, la. Actually, that's Singaporean. The problem is I can't even do it. Imagine how much trouble they had. Yeah, they're professionals. It's not like they're programmers. (laughs) Yeah, and a final observation. I keep driving into oncoming traffic 
And then I realized, I think I'm doing this because in GTA 5, when you're Franklin, your kind of superpower meter charges up by driving into oncoming traffic or taking over cars like really narrowly. And I've just noticed I'm still doing this in Sleeping Dogs, even though there's no benefit to doing so in Sleeping Dogs. Can you not just accept that you're a bad driver? <laughs> maybe, maybe. But your, your personal narrative is very strong. We should celebrate for some... Um, we should celebrate because we received listener feedback. Yeah! Woo! Someone played along with the book club game and sent us feedback. So, special thanks to Johnson for sending this in. And his email is helpfully split up into general thoughts. Payback to Dockyard Heist, so this segment of the game. And then observations about Hong Kong. And Johnson has actually finished the whole game... 100 percent i don't need to say this i don't need to say this at all <laughs> so he has significantly surpassed both of us already <laughs> but, but he has helpfully sent us feedback just at this point so johnson's general thoughts overall i did quite enjoy sleeping dogs the game itself was rather holistic a single complete experience the hong kong bits were quite amusing and did a good job on a lot of the details when compared to their real life counterparts I wouldn't say that Sleeping Dogs hangs its hat on the Hong Kong setting alone, though. Just merely a little icing on the cake. And even if it occasionally doesn't quite match Hong Kong in real life, it's still sweet to have. The way I describe Sleeping Dogs is that it's a Hong Kong action film, The Game. Satisfyingly violent. Good cop, bad cop. Overblown set pieces with explosions. Street shootouts mixed with martial arts. Chase sequences that include scaling scaffolding and freerunning. Themes of honour and family... Even when you play, it's rather telling. Leap over a table, slow motion, shoot out a tyre, car flips out, you get the idea. Shame that the driving physics aren't the most satisfying, but it works. 7.5 out of 10 from me, in case Ting asks. Oh, 7.5 out of 10. That's only a green That's on Metacritic. A green. Just a green. I mean, just scrapes a green, really. Johnson's saying not to buy. Johnson, <laughs> don't buy from Johnson. I think 7.5 is okay. Not on Ting scale. Not on the Ting scale, okay. And then Johnson's thoughts on Payback to Dockyard Heist, which was this segment we just played. Honestly, when I first started playing Sleeping Dogs, it was a bit of a drag. I wasn't quite used to the environment and understanding how to move around Hong Kong quickly. I was counting the minutes until I saw Payback appear on my screen. However, beginning with the wedding mission, did the plot really caught my attention. While I wasn't particularly fond of Winston, I found myself disliking Dog Eyes and the others the way you're supposed to hate villains. And to play out the revenge, it was pretty satisfying. Also, as Wei rises through the ranks, the missions begin feeling more impactful as you violently interact with key characters and are no longer simply messing around with nobodies. Did you enjoy this arc more then? Yeah, like something you mentioned earlier on, it's the wedding clearly escalates the whole story. Yeah, I think I felt a lot the same way as Johnson. I really found the first segment of the game a drag. Part of that first part is a tutorial, admittedly. I mean, part of it is that I was obsessed with PUBG, and anything that wasn't PUBG, I was like, oh, this game. But from the wedding onwards, it's really much more fun. But he does um, mention something very important, I think, is not knowing how to navigate Hong Kong quickly is annoying. Can you navigate Hong Kong quickly now? I, I don't have to rely on my GPS. I know where things are. 
I now to get them myself. <laughs> I'm totally relying on the GPS okay. still. And sometimes I think, oh shit, I'm going to use the boat. It's quicker. Kind of thing. I think a final funny question from Johnson. Have either of you guys tried dating women yet? I couldn't help but laugh out loud to each one. And if you did, you might want to look at the background file regarding Amanda. Dun, dun, dun. I don't think I've looked at... So, neither of us have tried dating anyone in this game. But I will. But you will? <laughs> what? I will. What? What? It's not really my thing. Uh, <laughs> but he said, I need to look at the intel for Amanda. Have you seen the intel for Amanda? No, I don't remember any of this. I I wonder if you get the intel following you after you start trying to date them. I, I really have no idea. Okay. So that, that maybe that's something to try for next time as well. And finally, we wanted to call out some... Okay, so Johnson's... Some observations we agree with. Yeah, so Johnson's right. also made some observations about Hong Kong. So, I mean, I think a few of them are ones we mentioned last time, but some in particular that we want to call out. A distinct lack of greenery. This is the thing for you. I, I didn't notice this myself. Hong Kong actually got a lot of green. There's actually a lot of plants in Hong Kong. Hong Kong is 80% parkland. Did you know this? No. Hong Kong Island, I think, if you do it by surface area, it's actually 80% national park, surprisingly. And even in the city, there's a lot of like planters and plants and stuff. And they, they really like, um, put a lot of effort into it. So, for example, you know, poinsettias, you know, there's like red flowers you get traditionally at Christmas, at least in the UK. Winter in Hong Kong, around Christmas time, they replant all of the planters with poinsettias, at least in like the high end shopping malls and stuff. You'll be walking around and for the rest of the year, there'll be kind of like tropical greenery and they dig it all up and replace them all with poinsettias at Christmas. So you get this like massive like riot of red flowers. It's really, looks really cool. And then towards the end of winter, they swap them back over again. So they actually put quite a lot of effort in in Hong Kong. And then a sentiment that you echo. Johnson actually had a hard time convincing himself to steal cars initially. It felt so wrong to do even in a digital depiction of his home city. I felt the same for a long time. Actually, I think even up to now, I've not pulled anyone out of their car for sure. And if I needed to take a car, it would be a parked car now. But there's so many car parks for you to even get your own car now. Maybe it's because I was a cop on the other side. Hmm. Feels out of character. I don't know why. I, I also hadn't really been stealing cars until this morning when I was thinking, oh, I should drive around and try and look at some of the landmarks. Because, I mean, we're not going to talk about it now, but I wanted to see if things like the Peak Galleria or, you know, some of the major skyscrapers in Central were in the game. I just wanted to have a look. And so I was just trying to get a car to drive to a place and look around and get another car to drive to a place. And I just hijacked loads of cars. And it's quite funny. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you steal a car, I think there's a few animations for it. But one of them, you kind of open the door and you grab onto the door frame and like two-footed kick the person until they <laughs> pop out the other side. It just seems so incongruous. Like... Because the person's like going, ah, and they're like flying out the other door. That's very gamey, really. It is very gamey. I mean, it wouldn't happen in a real car because the door doesn't pop open unless you pull the handle. Anyway, some final observations of Johnson's that we want to draw attention to. So he says he's never been to a massage parlor and he's never knowingly met or seen a tribe member in real life. But then he also says the ambient Cantonese shouts are really good. They just need more swearing. 
more swearing. There's so much swearing. Yeah. There's way more swearing in this game than in real life Hong Kong, I think. And <laughs> I think I was just saying, Johnson may have never knowingly met or seen a tribe member, but maybe he's surrounded by them. I don't think normal people in Hong Kong swear that much. Anything to close? Any closing statements? No, I think I think we're done. I think we've I think we've said enough. Call honking. I'm going to say, there's way more car honking in the real Hong Kong than in Sleeping Dogs. I don't know if it's going to come out on the audio, but when we record this podcast during the day, we frequently have to take breaks because people are just honking their car horns and we have to just stop for a minute until it subsides and then carry on with the recording. Okay, so for next time, for next time, let's not for next time. It's very simple. Finish the game. That's it? That is it. That's it. Simple instructions. So. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. Please write a review. It would really help. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Reddit. Slash r slash Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club, where I just stream myself playing PUBG really badly. Oh, badly now. Badly? Yeah. Not badly. Not badly. Better than I was. Still bad. Competent. Competently. <laughs> okay. Is that it? YouTube. YouTube. YouTube as Lost Levels Club. Anything more to say? What are you grateful for? Damn it. I was going to say, I was going to hope. I was hoping you were going to forget. And then I was going, what are you grateful for, Ting? iPhone X, iPhone 10. <laughs> what? Are you serious? <laughs> I was trying to think of something serious to say, but now you've said that, I feel like I don't have to be. Never have to be serious. <laughs> Never have to be serious. I'm grateful that I... <laughs> okay, I was going to say something inappropriate. Well, that's your choice. I'm grateful this podcast is over. Oh, sad face from Ting. Sad face? What? I'm grateful I can go back to playing PUBG. <laughs> that my recording duties are done. <laughs> So Michael says bye. Bye Bye-bye.